We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome into the LakersNation.com podcast. I am Trevor Lane, and it is game day. Lakers versus Suns tonight. The in-season tournament continues. We are now at the knockout stage. Win or you're out of the tournament. Should be a really exciting one. I'm going to talk a little bit about that matchup. I want to update where we're at in the tournament itself. And... I want to take a big picture look at this team. So a lot to discuss on today's show. Before I start diving into all of that, though, those of you who are watching over on the YouTube channel, if you wouldn't mind, do me a favor, hit that like button right now. It takes a half a second. Hit that like button. Help get this video out to as many people as possible. And if you're not a subscriber, hit that subscribe button as well. Over on the podcast side, would sure appreciate some five-star ratings and reviews over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. That's also a great way to help out the show. All right, let's talk a little bit about the NBA's in-season tournament. Let's update where things are at currently. So the NBA's in-season tournament last night, we saw some phenomenal, phenomenal games. And I'm going to get to that in just a minute because big picture, we need to talk about the IST or the in-season tournament. But here's where things currently stand. So right now, the Pelicans defeated the Kings last night. And so that means the Pelicans have moved on to the semifinals in the West. If you see over in the East, you look at that. Oh, what happened? Oh, bummer. The Celtics lost. Don't you just hate seeing that? No, we don't hate seeing that. That's absolutely fantastic. Yes, I would have loved for it to be Lakers-Celtics in the finals. Adam Silver would have loved for it to be Lakers-Celtics in the finals. But... I sure didn't shed any tears seeing the Pacers beat the Celtics, knock them out. I'll tell you what, though. Look, Celtics or not, that was a phenomenal, phenomenal game. And the Pacers are through to the Eastern Conference semifinals. Again, we'll talk big picture about the tournament in just a moment. But for the Lakers' specific side of this, the way things go now, the Lakers play the Suns tonight. Play the Suns tonight. 7 o'clock Pacific time. We'll be live over, over on Playback. Playback.tv slash Lakers Nation can hang out with us, can watch the game. The way this is going to work is if the Lakers defeat the Suns tonight, this is a home game in L.A. Lakers defeat the Suns tonight. Thursday, they will play in Las Vegas 
against the Pelicans. They will take on the Pelicans on Thursday with the winner going on to the final, which will be played December 9th. So keep in mind here, the most games the Lakers can play this week is three, and that's if they win and then win again. You have to win tonight, win again on Thursday, then you will play Saturday. Now, if the Lakers lose tonight to the Phoenix Suns, what happens? Well, there will only be one more game for the entire rest of the week for the Lakers, and that will take place Friday. They will play Friday at home against the Sacramento Kings, who were also knocked out. This game tonight and either Thursday or Friday's game, whichever game the, the Lakers play in, counts as a regular season game. The only game that would not count as a regular season game because it would be their 83rd game of the season is if the Lakers play Saturday in the championship matchup. That would be an extra game on the season, does not count towards the regular season record. And that's just that's just a math thing, right? You can't have uh, two teams play 83 games, everybody else play 82 and have them all count on the record. Not going to work that way. So today's game. And then either Thursday or Friday, the Lakers are going to play one of those days. No matter what happens, they're going to play either play on Thursday or they're going to play on Friday. That game will also count towards their regular season record. Now, I've had a lot of people ask me, if the Lakers win, what happens in Thursday's Thursday's game? Well, they will technically be the, the home team because they're the one seed in the Western Conference, but it's in a neutral location. It's in Las Vegas. However, we know Vegas is very much not neutral. Right, it's it will be very very pro Lakers if the Lakers do indeed advance past the Phoenix Suns. Um, so in terms of the the amount of games the Lakers could play, they are definitely going to play at least two games. They will play as many as three. That's it. That's a fairly light week for the Lakers, and I think that's actually a pretty good thing for this team, especially as they're healing up, they're getting healthy. So if the Lakers win tonight against the Suns and then they play Thursday against the Pelicans, and then they lose, that's it. They don't play Friday. They don't play Saturday. They don't play Sunday. In fact, let me take a quick peek at the schedule. I believe they don't play until Tuesday, if I'm correct here. They would take, uh, in terms of their next regular season game, I believe it's the 12th. Yeah, it would not happen until Tuesday the 12th. So if the Lakers happen to play and beat the Suns tonight, they lose to the Pelicans on, on Thursday, the Lakers would then have Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday off. So that would be a nice little break here in, in December for the Lakers to heal up, rest up, regroup before getting back into the swing of things with the regular season. And then if you happen to win and then win, right? Well, then you play Saturday. Then you still have Sunday, Monday off before you have to play Tuesday. So either way, there's a, there's a nice little break in the schedule here. It's a little bit lighter this time of year because of this in-season in tournament. But this is, this is for the Lakers, a chance to become the first team to win the in-season tournament cup, if that's what we're calling it. Um, and I can say this, the tournament's not going anywhere. The tournament's not going anywhere. It's just not. It will stay. And the reason for it, it's obvious. All you got to do is watch a game. Just watch a game. Watch an in-season tournament game, and you see why this is going nowhere. The NBA, this will be a thing next season. This will be a thing. Uh, we're probably going to be doing this for a long time. And the reason for that, it's because the players care. 
The Lakers have talked. The Lakers talked about it after practice yesterday. Talked about the $500,000. Talked about the money. The players care. And you may roll your eyes and say, oh, they only care about the money. These guys want to compete too. You can see it. You can see it. That was the big question. There were a lot of fans, myself included, who questioned whether or not this would really work in the NBA. This kind of soccer-esque tournament model would work in the NBA if this could be a real thing. And it felt like, frankly, the NBA in-season tournament was just, I mean, it was bombarded upon us. Everywhere you looked, it was in-season tournament. The NBA was making it inescapable that this thing was happening. My advice was for people who didn't want to, didn't particularly care about the in-season tournament, was, well, you don't have to care. They're all regular season games anyway. Well, boy, I was wrong. The NBA made it so there's no way that you couldn't you, that you could ignore the fact that it was an in-season tournament game and just focus on it being a regular season game. They made the courts blinding. So there was no way to ignore the fact that it was a tournament game, which, by the way, is something that I hope they tweak a little bit next year is the, uh, the courts. But the bottom line was all of this, whether you were a believer in the tournament, whether you were a critic of the tournament, None of that really matters now. None of that matters. All that matters is the NBA got a yes in the most important category, the most important question, and that was, will the players care? Because if the players are going to care and make and treat it as something special, then the fans are going to care. The fans are going to care, and that's exactly what's happened. There's no way in hell you can watch the Pacers-Celtics game from last night and say NBA players aren't taking the tournament seriously. That was legitimately the fear. That was the fear, was that NBA players would say, nah, I'm going to load manage these games. I'm going to rest these games. I don't want to play these in-season tournament games. And when this first started getting talked about, the conversation was, are these extra games being added onto the schedule? And if they are, then players are just going to sit out, and who cares? Nobody's going to care. This thing's going to be dead in the water. The NBA was smart in making them count as regular season games. The NBA was smart in making it clear, hey, we're not load managing these games. Stars, you're playing these games. Load manage another game. And it's worked. It's worked. The players care. The money matters. $500,000, that's enough for the players to care. And I think the competitive nature of it gets these guys going as well. The courts are different. It's something special. And these guys care. And what that means for us, yes, for the players, that means enhanced competition. That means a chance to win money. That means all the other things for the consumers, for us, the, the fans who are watching the games. What this means is better basketball. And isn't it amazing? I, I'm sitting there last night watching these games. I'm watching Celtics and Pacers and, and I'm watching Kings and, and Pelicans and I'm watching playoff intensity basketball. And there's a difference. There's a big, big difference between a regular season game and a playoff game. You can feel it. The energy of the game itself, it is a different experience. And I'm sitting there watching these games. And this has been my, my sentiment through much of these, these tournament games. So there's been some blowouts. But for the most part, I've been watching these games and thinking, God, here we are. It's early December. And we're basically getting playoff quality basketball. We're getting playoff basketball right now. How amazing is this? 
And that's why this isn't going anywhere. The players care, and they're producing fantastic basketball. And so that's where we're benefiting from that. We're getting great basketball. You can I can complain about the courts, and I certainly have. Some of you watching the show now are probably rolling your eyes. Yeah, you've been a broken record, Trevor. Quit complaining about the courts. All right. There's things that we can tweak. We can debate whether or not point differential is really the best way to separate teams. Does that encourage running up the score and things of that nature? Plenty of things to still talk about in regard to that. But the tournament has gotten the attention of the players. It's gotten them to play harder, to treat these games as something special. It's produced playoff quality basketball in a time of the year when normally you don't see that. And we all have benefited from it. So again, this thing's not going anywhere. This tournament has been a success. We'll see what the finals looks like. Who knows? Maybe we'll wind up with like Pelicans Knicks in the final or something like that. And that's the other thing we need to talk about here. But if at this point, the NBA gets Lakers versus anybody, Lakers Bucks in the final would probably be now the best case scenario for the NBA. But the bottom line is regardless, even if it winds up being Knicks, let's even go small market, if it ends up being Pacers, Pelicans, this still has been a massive success. Now, the final bit to this, and this is what I what I like, is that this tournament, because it's single elimination, creates the possibility for anything to happen. And that's part of what makes, I mean, we talk about March Madness and how much fun that is. Single elimination it means there's no guarantee. Like you ask anybody who's going to get through, who's going to be the representative from the East. Everybody's going to say Celtics. So they've been great. They've been great this season, but they're out one game. Tyrese Halliburton stepped onto the big stage, took him down one game. Anything can happen. The Kings have been a better team than the Pelicans. Now the Pelicans beat the Kings already a couple times this year. Maybe they're just a bad matchup, which I think very well could be the case. But a lot of people said, oh, the Kings are going to get through. No, here's the Pelicans. They're through. They're one game away from the final. You just never know in a one-game situation. And that creates all the more fun, all the more intrigue. One hot shooting game, and your team gets through to the next round. It's exciting. It's exciting. And it provides opportunities where, you know what? I think the NBA does it right with seven-game playoff series. Because what tends to happen is the cream rises in a seven-game series. The best is going to win. The right team typically makes it through. Are there some upsets sometimes? Sure. Are there some scenarios where you say, ah, that was a little bit of a fluke. That team probably isn't all that good, really. And a team gets through that you wouldn't normally expect. They, it, occasionally, it can happen. But for the most part, seven-game series, the better team wins. Just the better team wins in a seven-game series. One game... The unpredictable, the unpredictability of anything happening. It's great. It makes it exciting. It makes it fun. And it gives you an opportunity. Like, are the Pacers, as fun as their season has been, are the Pacers a team that you're really afraid, hey, this is a group that's going to go win a championship? Probably not. Probably not. But could their offense be red hot enough to where they win two more games and take home the cup? Absolutely. That could happen. So that gives you the opportunity for some of these teams that maybe aren't quite there yet. They're not quite that playoff caliber team that's going to um, be able to take heavy punches throughout a playoff series 
and still come through the other side. They're not that team. These younger teams that have the firepower, that have the young legs, that can get out there and play helter-skelter basketball all over the place, they may be able to find success in this scenario where they don't in the postseason. And I think that, again, adds to the fun because it creates a situation where it's not just the powerhouses that are going to come through. Just about anybody can step in and win this thing if you get the right combination at the right time. So again, all of this, all of this makes it exciting. Um, again, Lakers play tonight against the Suns. Hopefully they get the win. Then they go on to play the Pelicans on Thursday. Otherwise, they lose. They get the Kings again on, on Friday. I've already played the Kings twice. They are 0-2 against the Kings right now. But at least that would be a home game for the Lakers. So I am curious, though, Lakers Nation, let me know your thoughts on the in-season tournament. Give me your take on it. Fire it off in the comments section down below over the YouTube channel. Have you enjoyed the tournament so far? What do you think of it? Do you agree with me that it's not going anywhere, that it's here to stay, and that it's overall been a positive thing? Do you think I'm totally wrong, and it's been a negative, and it's annoying? Let me know. What do you think? All right, let's talk a little bit about the Lakers and the Suns, which obviously this is, this is a big matchup. This is a big matchup. In fact, you can argue that this is these are probably the two top teams in the West, even though the Suns wound up the four seed. The the Suns, especially now that they've got Devin Booker back, are I mean, at worst, just as dangerous as Sacramento, probably more so. And certainly more dangerous than the Pelicans, even though the Pelicans were the team that, that beat Sacramento. This is not going to be an easy matchup. Now, yes, the Lakers are two and zero against. The Suns, but that was without Devin Booker. Well, Devin Booker is now back. So I put up 34 points last game against the Memphis Grizzlies. The Suns offense, as has been expected, has been really, really good, even without Booker. And it frankly, it's a it's a testament to the Suns and to our old friend Frank Vogel, former Lakers coach, that they're currently the four seed, despite Bradley Beal being out. He's still out. Despite Devin Booker being in and out of the lineup, the Suns are 12 and 8. They're the four seed. Now, right now, the Lakers are 12 and 9. They're they're right there. They're half a game back. The Lakers currently are the seventh seed in the Western Conference. But the, the Suns, their success, despite having so many injuries, this was a team that we didn't expect would be able to withstand injuries to their top tier guys because they're a more top heavy team. Um, that puts more responsibility on role players to get things done. And usually that's asking them to do stuff that's just above their pay grade. We know we've lived in that world. We saw the the big three Lakers when it was Russ, LeBron, and AD, and a bunch of guys will be out. And next thing you know, you're asking guys who aren't ready for this kind of a role to step up and do big things. Usually it doesn't work out. The Suns have done a really nice job, though. Um, they defensively are not great. And that's something I think the Lakers need to take advantage of. I think in tonight's game, this is where the wings really need to shine. The wings are going to need to shine tonight for the Lakers. They've got to show that they can get it done and be very switchy on the defensive end of the floor. That's going to be so important going up against Devin Booker, going up against Kevin Durant. And I'll tell you what, they got to make those guys earn their points. Booker lived at the line against Memphis. I believe he had 13 free throw attempts. Kevin Durant gets himself to the free throw line often. 
Lakers have got to do everything they can to defend without fouling. Don't let Booker flail and flop his way to a bunch of free throws. That's going to be critical in this game. Taking a quick peek at the Lakers injury report right now. Um, this is where we're at. Anthony Davis is probable. Rui Hachimura, and this is also important here, he is probable. Jared Vanderbilt, probable. Rui talked after practice yesterday. Sounds like the plan is indeed for him to play in this one. Darvin Ham said the same thing. Said, yes, Rui is. We're planning on having him play. So Rui should be back. Last game, technically, Rui probably could have played, but the Lakers figured we're going to go without him. They ended up not needing him. And they're going to give him another couple of days because since he had surgery on his nose. Now Rui's going to play. He's going to play in a mask. He has commented that the mask wasn't as bad as he expected it to be. So fingers crossed, hopefully Rui is able to get in there because and play effectively because I do think the Lakers wing depth is going to be important in this one. You're going to have a lot of situations where guys are going to have to, even for five, six seconds, maybe not even a whole possession, switch on to Devin Booker and find a way to defend. Switch on to Kevin Durant. That's where the Lakers wing depth which I think really was able to shine against the Houston Rockets is going to be important in this matchup with the Suns. Defensively, you're going to need to have all of your tall, long-arm guys out there to contest these shots that Kevin Durant's going to put up. And hell, there's some times where Durant rises up and shoots and you can have a hand just about touching the basketball and it just doesn't matter, right? He's automatic anyway. But when it's a guy that's 6'4 trying to defend him, it's not going to work. It's not that he's not even going to notice the guys there. And the same is true with Devin Booker. You want guys who can pester them. Cam Reddish is going to be really important in this matchup. Those long arms that he's got, the ability to switch between multiple players. And then beyond just defending those players, attacking those guys on offense. Make Devin Booker work. Don't let him hide on a Torian Prince defensively over in the corner for an entire possession, for multiple possessions in a row. Devin Booker's just getting back from injury. You need to test him. See where he's at in terms of his conditioning. Go at him. Make him work on defense. Get him in pick-and-roll situations and make him defend when your attacking player can get downhill. Have him try to defend LeBron James, right? Get them uh, some mismatches there. I also think Anthony Davis is going to be extremely important in this game. He has dominated Yusuf Nurkic in the past. He's going to need to continue to do so in this game tonight. I do think this is going to be an absolute battle. I think both sides are going to bring it. Kevin Durant versus LeBron is always going to be a big thing. I think both teams are going to be very fired up. I'm expecting a playoff atmosphere here tonight for Lakers versus Suns. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. LeBron, you see him on the status report listed as questionable. Forget it. He's he's going to play. He's going to be questionable on the status report for the entire season. I'm not going to worry about it. I'm not going to worry about that. I think LeBron is going to be just fine. And he's going to be playing in all these games. Gabe Vincent is still out. Uh, no official update on exactly when he's going to be back. But otherwise, the Lakers, they're as healthy as they've been all season. You're going to have Jared Vanderbilt, who played 13 minutes last, last game. I'm not expecting him to play a ton of minutes in this game. But 13 minutes for Jared Vanderbilt last game, I'm expecting him to be somewhere in the 15 to 20 range in this one. They will need his length, his athleticism uh, for these matchups. But... I think this Lakers team, we're going to start to really get a glimpse of what they are and what they aren't. And I think what they can be is a defensive juggernaut if they really unleash their wings. And that's where it's important to continue with the rotation of Austin and D'Lo kind of splitting minutes 
right? They can overlap to a degree in order to make sure both guys are on the floor enough and everything. But by staggering things a bit, that puts extra wings on the floor. Speaking of which, the guy I haven't even talked about yet, Max Christie, I think is going to have opportunities in this one as well. He's done well enough defensively over the last couple of weeks that he is going to be in the mix. So the Lakers, they can get extra switchy defensive wings out onto the floor by staggering D'Lo and Austin a little bit more in this matchup and and just in general. And so I think that's what we're going to continue to see here. Feed as many wings onto the floor as you can in this one. Let AD deal with, with Yusuf Nurkic. Switch like crazy. Try not to get Devin Booker, Kevin Durant going downhill. Keep them off the free throw line and just try to make every shot as tough as you possibly can. That's the game plan tonight for the Lakers. All right, I do want to get into some big-picture comments and questions and things of that nature. Before I get there, though, let me give a quick shout-out to our sponsor, and that is Game Time. Uh, Game Time is a very easy way to buy tickets to your favorite event, whether it's sports, music, comedy, theater, whatever. They have killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, so you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun that you'll have. And what a great present tickets to an event can make for the holidays. Check out Game Time. If you're doing a little shopping, great, great way to go and find tickets to uh, your loved one's favorite event and give them a gift that they will not forget. So you can get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what you are getting to. So you've got that peace of mind. You buy tickets in a matter of seconds. Two taps, you're all set. Tickets get sent directly to your phone so you don't have to worry about digging through email or anything like that. And the game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. That's how confident they are that they are going to give you the best deal. Uh, you can snag the tickets without the stress with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, use code Lakers Nation for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code Lakers Nation for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. All right. I've got three questions coming in from our LakersNation.com YouTube channel members. I asked them almost a week ago uh, just to throw out some topics for, for podcasts and things that they wanted to hear about. Uh, if you're not familiar with our channel membership program, which is a lot of fun, I actually yesterday dropped a, an extra little behind-the-scenes type video, a little check-in. Um, you guys can click the Join button. You can see the perks that we offer to our channel members. It's a great way to get more involved with Lakers Nation and get some perks and things like that that I think are pretty cool, as well as just support the channel. You know, I mean, help keep the lights on and all that sort of stuff. So um, if you've enjoyed our content, take a look. Click the Join button. You can see the perks that we're offering to our channel members. But here are some questions that I, that I had coming in from channel members that uh, I wanted to run through. Jimmy James, 24 said, looking ahead, what will our injured players provide when healthy? I assume better defense, but our defense is already ranked in the top 12 in the league. Percentage-wise, there's not a lot of room for improvement. It's the offense, I question. And if the returning players can somehow trigger a better offensive output. So we've seen this Lakers offense really struggle. Really struggle. Defensively, I think this team could wind up, uh, their ceiling is, is somewhere in the top five. Defensively, as of right now, they're ninth in defensive rating. 
I think they can move into the top five. Now, it's going to take some work to get there, but I do think they have that kind of potential to be a top five defense. Offensively, they rank 24th. That's not good. That's not good at all. And some of the guys returning, like Jared Vanderbilt, well, he's not going to help you out much on the offensive end. Are we hoping that Vando's three-point percentage will come up and he'll be able to at least knock in a corner three? Yes, but that's like, can Jared Vanderbilt do the bare minimum to keep him on the floor so that teams don't just ignore him on offense? Because we know you're not going to get a lot of offensive production out of him. You're just not. Where he's going to make his impact, it's on the defensive end, it's with the hustle plays, all of that. But Rui Hachimura, I think, is a piece that can help you offensively. He's a guy that can score the basketball, particularly in tough situations. If the offense breaks down, which let's face it, this Lakers offense does break down quite a bit, Rui coming back is a guy that can help you out. He can be a bailout guy in that scenario. He's also a guy who's just a big, strong, physical player on the wing, has the ability to score the ball off that one dribble pull-up, can get to the rim, not always the best finisher at the rim, but has shot pretty well from three. So he does give you a little bit of offensive firepower, but the point does stand that you know, a lot of the guys the Lakers have been missing due to injury. Cam Reddish, Jared Vanderbilt. These are these are not dynamic offensive players. Rui Hachimura can give you offensive punch, but Cam is doing most of his work on defense. Jared Vanderbilt's going to do most of his work on defense. The Lakers offense does need to get better. And this is, I think, an area of concern that potentially needs to be addressed on the trade market. LeBron has shot the ball really well. Anthony Davis has had a few good games in a row now scoring the basketball. You need Austin Reeves and D'Angelo Russell both to shoot an extremely high percentage from three, but it does still feel like the Lakers are missing at least one offensive weapon. And I do wonder if that's something that we're going to see the Lakers address. If they're going to go find somebody with with some range that can put the ball in the basket. Like imagine how valuable, and obviously they're not going to trade him, but imagine how valuable... Malik Monk would be on this team right now. Like just to have that skill set. Not to say there's not moments where you would prefer to have a stronger defensive player out there, where you'd rather have Cam Reddish out there with his endless arms. You'd rather have Max Christie out there who can still be a pretty good spot-up shooter. Yeah, absolutely. But if you could have a microwave-style scorer, that's perhaps something this team is missing right now. So... I do think the offensive output needs to improve. I think there can be some just natural growth there, but I don't think you're getting into like the top 15 or something offensively without a trade based on what we've seen from this team so far. Now, again, they can get better, especially even as their defense gets better, that's going to help their offense. If you get even better defensively, that's going to mean more stops. That's going to mean more turnovers. That's more opportunities where your offense is at the very least getting in a semi-transition and you're getting mismatches to attack rather than going up against a set defense. So the offensive improvements can all or defense improvements can lead to offensive improvements too. But realistically, I think this Lakers team probably tops out somewhere around a 15 to 20 range offense, which if they're a top five defense, you're probably okay with that. But there's improvements to be made for sure on the offensive end. And I do wonder if that's something that we see addressed on the trade market. I know we've talked a lot about their need for another true physical big, and that is indeed something they need. We've talked a lot about their need for another defensive guard that can take uh, take guys at the point of attack, and that is a need as well. But another scorer who can just put the ball in the basket 
would be very useful for this team as well. All right, let's get to this one. Uh, Laker Triangle said, do you ever wish you could just turn a game off and not do a post-game show? So I always think questions like this are interesting because, uh, I mean, what what we do here right, with, with Lakers Nation, it's, it's not a typical job, right? It's not like punching a clock, a nine to five, that, that type of thing. That's not, that's not really the way it works. And there's pros and cons to that for sure. And by no means am I complaining at all. Trust me. I've said it many times. I'm very, very fortunate, very lucky. And I appreciate all of you who allow us to do this. Um, but yeah, I mean, before I got into sports media, back when I was a teacher, if the Lakers are having a bad game, I could shut it off. I could walk away and go do something else. Now they're having a bad game. I'm not only do I have to watch till the final final buzzer, but I, I have to stay and do the play by play all the way through to the final buzzer, and then I got to go talk about it afterwards. So, are there moments where I think, oh, I really don't want to talk about this game? Yes, absolutely, absolutely. But you know what? By the end of it, I'm always glad that I did. So I add that to it because if it's a bad game, if the Lakers get blown out by the 76ers or something, yeah, in that moment, I'm like, man, this is going to be rough. Nobody's happy. Everybody's angry. I didn't enjoy watching that. I, I don't want to go talk about this. But what happens is, and I think this is part of the reason why people do tune into our, our post-game shows, when um, even if it's a bad game, by the end of it, I feel a bit better. Having talked through everything, having discussed it with fans, going back and forth, it's it, you just you process it. You process what's happened and you get ready to kind of move on. And it's weird to speak about a, a basketball game in those kind of like emotional terms, like you have to process the loss and, and everything, but it's just the best way to describe it. By the end of the show, I always feel better about the game. I always feel better about what we saw. I always feel like I've kind of gotten it out of my system. And you hear me sometimes on shows. I'll be frustrated and I'll let that frustration out a little bit. I'm not ranting and raving like some do, but but by the end, I always feel better. So yes, the answer is, do I wish I could turn a game off and not do a post-game show? Absolutely. In the, in the moment, 100%. There are times when I wish I could just shut the game off and be like, you know what? I'm out. I'm I'm going for a walk. I'm not doing a post-game show right now. But by the end of the post-game show, I'm always happy that I did it. All right. Last one. A general overview of your thoughts so far on the biggest positives and negatives for the team. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. So I think one of the biggest positives is that LeBron and Anthony Davis have been relatively healthy. I think that's been a very important thing, that while the injury bug has been pretty merciless with the Lakers this season, it hasn't hit, knock on wood, LeBron and AD too much yet. Yes, both of them has, have missed some games, but not an extended period of time. We've seen tons of injuries hit pretty much everybody else. I mean, Gabe Vincent has played four games. Uh, Jared Vanderbilt has just appeared in his first game of the entire season. So they've had plenty of injuries hitting this team, and by no means have they been spared in that regard. But the fact that LeBron and AD have been pretty healthy, and then LeBron, the fact that he continues to just be ridiculous. He had a 360 layup last game. He's going to be 39 in a few weeks here. And the stuff he's doing is beyond belief. And so that is, is a big positive as well, that LeBron is still LeBron. He's still doing LeBron things despite his age. I think that's a big positive. I think the defensive upside of this team is a positive. I think figuring out how good of a defender like Cam Reddish can be that most people, when they thought about Cam, myself included, when they thought about Cam Reddish coming to the Lakers, it was what can he be offensively? But instead, he's made his impact on the defensive end of the floor. It's what can this team ultimately become? I think there's some real positives there, especially on the defensive side of the ball. The negatives, I think the three-point shooting, you know, we saw it in the preseason where we thought, okay, this Lakers team, they've got some shooters. They're going to be, they're going to be respectable from three. Instead, they're at the bottom of the league. Again, again, sitting at the bottom of the NBA in in three-point percentage, in three-pointers attempted. Yeah, right now, the Lakers in terms of three-point percentage, they're 29th in the NBA, 33.7%. Only the Memphis Grizzlies are shooting worse than the Lakers in three-point percentage. In three-point attempts, the Lakers are dead last. Nobody's shooting fewer threes than the Lakers. And the volume, we knew they were never going to be a high-volume three-point shooting team, but the percentage being so poor relative to the rest of the league 
Now, that said, they're, you know, a hot game or two from moving up in the standings quite a bit because we're still at that point of the year. But even to get into the middle of the pack, they got to get up to like 36% from three. And I don't know how much faith I have that the Lakers as presently constructed are going to do that. Not unless and LeBron has shot the ball well, but Austin Reeves really needs to get back to being like a 40% three-point shooter if they're going to do it because Delo shot 40% from three. Christian Wood's shot has abandoned him. Torian Prince has not shot as well as we would have hoped, although he's definitely shown signs of life lately. I think they're capable of going on a hot month. I think they can shoot, you know, 38% from three for a month or something like that. But I do think that what we're seeing right now suggests unless they get some real snipers coming in before the trade deadline, we're probably looking at a bottom third three-point percentage team. When heading into the season, we were hoping they'd be somewhere more middle of the pack. And unfortunately, that just that just hasn't happened. Call it Lakers curse, Lakers tax, whatever you want to call it. But that's certainly been a, a negative for the team so far. I think the three-point percentage goes hand-in-hand hand with the offensive rating struggles. It's not the only issue. They've had problems hitting free throws, so the shooting in general has been an issue. Their field goal percentage is fine, but that's because they're not taking many threes. Um, and, and then their turnovers have been an issue too. The the, But part of that can also be so many players rotating in and out, so many extremely short rotations. So I do think the turnover problem is one that can be improved upon. So right now, I think there's plenty of positives to look at. The turnovers have been a negative. The shooting has been a negative. And I'll tell you what the most frustrating negative has been so far for me this season. The most frustrating negative has been the second chance points surrendered. A lot of that have come uh, has come from giving up offensive rebounds to your opponent. Now they've had some better games in that area lately. They've had some stinkers too, but they've had some better games there. But the offensive rebounds given up, the second chance scoring opportunities, they are the worst team in the NBA in second chance points given up. That's something that has to be fixed, and that is a big, big negative for the team. That, that along with the three-point shooting issue, if those two things don't improve, this team can still make the playoffs, but they're not scaring anybody. They've got to fix those things. They've got to fix those things. And so those are the biggest negatives. Now, Again, I don't mean to sound alarmist or anything. It's not out of the question for them to fix those things. They definitely can to degrees, right? They can get better shooting the three. I think there will be some positive regression coming from three if they can wind up somewhere around 20. If they can do the same in terms of the second chance points surrendered, if you can stop turning the ball over so much, if you can stop giving up so many offensive rebounds. And I'm just talking about cutting down one or two a game would make a big difference in terms of the Lakers points surrendered would make a big difference. Uh, for the second chance points given up and moderate improvement would go a long way in both of those areas. So that's what I'm looking for. Those are the big negatives right now for this team. And again, we've got the trade deadline in February 8th uh, on February 8th. I do think we're going to see, um, we're going to see this team start to figure out who they are and who they aren't. People have questioned what's the Lakers identity. And I've been saying for a while, they don't know because they haven't had their guys healthy. They haven't had enough healthy players for them to know exactly what their identity is. I think we're going to get a sense of what that is. I think they're going to lean into an identity as a suffocating defense team. 
as a defense first. We're going to get stops. We're going to beat you up. We're going to turn you over, and that's the way we're going to win. I think that's going to be probably their MO moving forward here. And then the question becomes, how do you augment that? Are there some moves that you can make at the trade deadline to give yourself a little bit more firepower on offense or to make your defense even more deadly by finding a point of attack of defender, which both Reeves and, and Delo are not that. Can you also improve your ability to deal with the big bruising centers? Can you add a physical presence in the middle? Not necessarily that you're going to go get a Jonas Valanciunas level players making what, like 16 million or 18 million, somewhere in there. But if you can get even, I mean, our old friend Andre Drummond has been brought up, just a big body in the paint. That's something that I think could help as well. So I do think that what we want to see here for the next few months is the team figure out what is our identity? What are we? How do we find success as a team? And then what areas are going to improve our overall team the most? If we decide to take our resources and put them into, it, we've got say three different areas that we can put our resources into, whether it's a point of attack defender, whether it's a three-point shooter slash scorer, whether it's a big, you need to figure out what's going to give us the best bang for our buck. Because I don't think you can satisfy all of those things. You're not going to get everything at the trade deadline. Maybe you're only going to get it one, one of those things. That's certainly possible too. But the Lakers have to figure out what is most important. What is most important? What will it? What, what hole do they need to patch? in order to get to where they want to go. And that's something that they need to spend the next couple of months figuring out. And I hope it's going to be a fun ride figuring that out. As we see this team morph into whatever their, their identity is going to be, fingers crossed, hopefully with health, right? That's going to allow them to do that. And then where are the leaks? Where are the holes that need patched? And which ones are going to sink us? Which ones can we live with? That's what they have to figure out over the next couple of months. All right, everybody. That's it for me today. I do appreciate all of you joining the show. Hopefully you come join us over on Playback tonight. Playback.tv slash Lakers Nation. Hang out with us while we watch the game. And then right after the game, over to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. We'll do Lakers Nation Live. Break down everything. Hopefully celebrate a Lakers win against the Suns. And see the team off to Vegas to continue in the in-season tournament. Thank you again, everybody. Till next time. See ya. And stay safe. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.